Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Hi. Oh. <laughs> I'm all trying not to swallow over here so you can't hear. Literally, I feel like I threw on my back trying to plant all those trees in the front yard. But you did it. I did. I feel like um, I'm going to die, though. It looks good. That's what 30 is. That's what 31 is. 31. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Well, hey, guys, I'm Brian. Hey, I'm Shane. And you are listening to Fruitbacks. Fruit <laughs> <laughs> tweet, tweet. No, do bats? No. I can't even make echolocation sounds. Whatever. Do echolocation talk. sounds? You said fruit bats, right? Fruit backs. What's fruit backs? Your gay, weak ass back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you bats? Wow, we're not on the same page at all. This is going to be a rough, <laughs> rough, 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 what? <laughs> rough episode. Give me this tongue pop so we can move on. All right, nigga. So what you got for oh. us today? <laughs> okay. Um, well, so what I came across this week was an article. Um, it was posted on Twitter, but when you open the article, it's on Variety.com. Okay. Which is a pretty credible entertainment news source. Yeah. Um, but the title of the article is Ellen Crew Furious Over Poor Communication Regarding Pay, Non-Union Workers During Coronavirus Shutdown. Exclusive by Matt Donnelly. Um so in case you don't know, I'm talking about Ellen DeGeneres, um, who apparently has around 30 like core stage crew members for her show every day. Um, none of these 30 employees reportedly received any remit- written communication about the status of their working hours, pay or inquiries about their mental and physical health from producers for over a month, said two sources. Um, so all of this is in regards to um, like the poor treatment of her staff. Uh, the article goes on to talk about how uh, Warner Brothers has hired like a non-union crew to set up her show to air from her home. Mm. So like instead of employing these people to go to her house where she's airing her show every day, um, they hired a different crew um, on top of telling her normal crew to expect up to a 60% pay decrease in their normal salary while they, while the show is still airing. So like they're still making money off of it um has this crew been with her since the beginning yeah i mean this is her like day-to-day crew i see um so all of this the reason that i point this out is uh coming from like this long chain of backlash that ellen's been getting recently and apparently like a lot of uh i hate to say this but blue status like blue checkmark status people on like twitter and, Mm -hmm. and instagram are going on to write things like Good to know that Hollywood's, like, worst-kept secret that Ellen DeGeneres is, like, the worst human being on the face of the earth is, like, finally exposing itself, you know, blah, blah, blah. Damn. Wait, does this article say any of those names? Any of what names? Of, like, the blue check people who are talking poorly. No, no, no. The blue check people are, like, the ones that I've seen on Twitter. Got it. Who are, like, posting. Like, even when you go to Twitter and you post, like, or you search uh, Ellen DeGeneres one of the top searches that comes up as an option to click on is Ellen DeGeneres mean. Uh, and so like that's trending on Twitter right now. Um, but somebody was like, I love that she's trending right now for being like an absolute horrible human being, but is consistently just like dancing from her home and like calling her celebrity friends and like acting like absolutely nothing's wrong. Yeah. So you had mentioned, was it you who said um, you think she's going to have to report on it soon? 
or say something? Well, I mean, we did briefly speak about this because um, we wanted to save this topic for the podcast. Yeah. But I I feel like she is going to have to comment on this. I know that she has gotten a lot of flack within the past year mm-hmm. with like saying that she's good friends with George W. Bush or whatever. Yeah. Not that she's good friends, but they were they spotted. Were seen, uh, they were photographed like hanging out and having a right. great time. Yeah. And uh, people were like, how can you do that when he's been against gay rights and yeah. all that stuff, which I can see that side. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like people do grow and evolve. So like if yeah. that was the case and Ellen felt like from her personal experience with him that he's done that, I think it's fair to like forgive a person like that. And she did kind of comment on that on her show. Right, like at, at each... I mean, I honestly don't keep up with Alan, so yeah. I don't know. So I get that, but I mean, like for some reason, um, this isn't me jumping on the bandwagon of like let's take Alan down because I really don't care here nor there. Mm-hmm. Like I want people to be successful, but for some reason, I always felt like she was putting on an act, mm. and I felt like I couldn't resonate with her show. Like I, I enjoy watching clips, but I don't know. Yeah. Like I can't. I don't know. It just feels very fake, and even from like a. Um, person that comes from like a communication background. I mm-hmm. felt like the way she interviews people, it's almost like Jimmy Fallon, but on the opposite, where she asks the questions and it looks like she just goes dead and she's thinking about yeah. whatever she wants to do after this. So I feel like she, part of it might just be like the longevity of her show. Like mm-hmm. the interest is not there from doing it so many years. Yeah. But also I feel like she really just doesn't take an interest in people anymore, Yeah, which is fair. Uh, but, but I guess it's like the opposite of what she tries to give out of yeah. like, you know, be kind to one another. Well, yeah, be kind to one another. So the other thing is, I feel like I agree with you in terms of how she interviews, but I don't feel like that carries over for celebrities. I think she's oh, like so sure. involved and active sure. with celebrities. Um, but a uh, you know Nikki Tutorials. Yeah. For people who don't know, Nikki Tutorials is a a a recently out transgendered makeup artist um, who does YouTube tutorials on how to do like makeup. And she was recently on Ellen's show and didn't come out afterwards bashing Ellen. But she was like, I walked on expecting like Disney magic and I got Teletubbies after dark. Right. right. Like, I don't think she was like deliberately trying to bash, but she was like, this was my experience. Yeah. Take it yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, And, you know, like for what reason would she have to like say any of that? Right. She was just interviewed on how it was being on the Ellen show. Um, So it's interesting. I, I wonder if, you know, during this quarantine or after she's going to speak on it. Um. I think eventually if this continues, especially right now where people are so bored and they're just well, looking at trending topics. Right. I think that eventually with this cancel culture that we live in, it will be enough of an uproar, I think, to where she somebody would have to make a statement, whether right. Warner Brothers or her. Well, because I always, like I said earlier, like if there's smoke, there's usually fire. And I mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of smoke a from lot. different camps. Yeah. So there must be some like common thread within that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the only reason why she would comment on this or make a statement or like bring it up on her show is if ratings were to drop. Yeah. You know what but I mean? Like if the, it doesn't affect the show, they're not going to say anything. That's the thing is I personally do not believe that her audience and her like dedicated followers are care, care enough about I agree. this. I agree. I think the only people who care about it are those who are like super uh, like liberal or people outside of the norm. And when you look at her studio audience, most of the time it's like 70, 75% like middle America, middle aged white women, yeah. you know, and 
I don't think that they're affected enough in in these trending topics right. to care that she might be a mean person behind the scene because they love being on her show. Right. And not only that, like, from their standpoint of how sh- they digest Ellen, she is that person that she perceives to be. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's like, why should I, in, yeah. in, you know, believe these certain stories? But again, it's like one of those things like, do what you want. Because mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like being someone in the public eye like that, you can't be on 24 7 no. you know and even if you practice being kind you you can't say you're kind 100 percent of the time you know yeah. what i mean i feel like that even goes for like mother Teresa. Mm. like as she got older absolutely you know she's lived into that but i don't think if you asked her have you always been kind even as a kid mm-hmm. she probably wouldn't say that you know what i mean so i yeah. think people morph grow change whether it's good or bad and i think that's fair for ellen um but i mean like it's unfortunate to hear yeah i guess it's like for me, it doesn't like when I heard this, I was like, that doesn't seem surprising because mm-hmm. I felt like there was something there. Yeah. But I mean, like, why does she owe anyone? Like, she doesn't owe anyone anything. That's where I come she from. She doesn't. And it also brings up the question is who she is as a person. Uh, does that dictate or mask the good that her show does provide? Right. I feel like her show gives platform to a lot of a people. Lot of people yeah. At the end of the day, regardless of Nikki Tutorial's experience backstage with her, she had a platform to speak to millions of people that probably wouldn't normally look at her YouTube account. Um, And all of these people who get checks from the Ellen show for like doing good in the world and providing back to other people. Like does Ellen being a mean person take away from the platform that her show still gives all those people, Right. you know? Cause like, I think as many times as she's been good or has been, uh, you know, nice or kind, I Mm -hmm. think probably outweighs the bad. Yeah. Um, But with that said, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Crap. I was just saying, I think that that oh, might be another reason people I don't care as much. I remember. What? Um, I feel like the only thing that's irritating is that, and I think this is just a Hollywood thing, that people are tone deaf to what is currently going on in everyone's day-to-day life, right? Like, for her, she makes, like, $50 million a year, mm-hmm. and her, like, missing a few episodes or her show being canceled yeah. or whatever doesn't really affect her in the long scheme of things no. but these people who work for her it probably does affect them a lot for more. sure and because that team has supported her to get to that point yeah. you should be able to like pay your team back you mm-hmm. know what i mean like hey do you need anything what can yeah. i go because i know jimmy kimmel was supporting his um staff Stuff. when all of this was going down yeah i mean 30 crew members at least core crew members like she can cover that easily easily yeah. warner brothers can too but yeah. at the end of the day for somebody who preaches being kind and taking care of one another right. you could do that right yeah. And I feel like just going forward, like, after this, I guess that's just something to decide when you choose a place to work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, how how they treat you, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, like, that kind of is, like, the current, like, climate with celebrities. They just don't really care because they're yeah. like, oh, you know, staying at home is so hard in my multi-million mansion. Literally. When people aren't, like, paying rent because they can't work mm-hmm. or whatever, it's like, you're missing the point. Right. Yeah. Speaking of coronavirus, let's segue into the point I wanted to bring up. Um, I saw this on um, news, but pretty much all the facts that I'm pulling from are from CNN. And then I wanted to actually look at Fox News to see if they were spinning in a different way. Uh Um, But it was actually reported the same. And so a lot of these points that I'm going to make, I feel like are pretty uh, well-rounded. Because if you're going to look at like the diversity, CNN's on one end, quote unquote, and then the other end is Fox News. But I want to talk about all these um, protests about Mm. staying at home. Um, A lot of uh, states like Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Minnesota, North Carolina, and Utah, um, there's been like an uprising at 
um, in the Capitol about stay at home orders um, towards the governors of the states choosing like that we need to stay at home. And a lot of these um, individuals and these citizens feel like we're overstepping our safety Mm. in sacrifice of financial and economic, you know, um, stability. Right. So I bring that up because I want to know what you feel about protest on stay at home. I think it it. I think it depends on who the protests are coming from. Mm -hmm. So when I see the group of upper class white Americans in Huntington Beach protesting that they're pissed they have to stay home, I think they're protesting more because they want to go to Sharky's for a drink every fucking night Mm. and party with their hillbilly like redneck friends, Mm -hmm. and that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I think that there are people who are being forced, technically, to stay home um, or advised to stay home who cannot afford to live because the government's not putting out checks quickly enough Mm -hmm. to support not only their rent or mortgage, but like to put food on their tables. Like there's been an enormous, an enormous, (laughs) an enormous, um, surge in people in line at food banks. Those kinds of people, I understand protesting a little more. They literally can't afford food. So like, I understand that you want people to stay home, but like you have to do better in providing faster. You know, like once they pass that stimulus, that provided the $1,200 checks for everybody, it took almost a month to start getting checks out and it could take up to another like three to five months. That's insane. Yeah. At that point, you're talking over half a year after it all originally started. Right. Um. So like I understand where like maybe some of these protests are coming from, but when you drive down PCH and people out in Huntington are pissed and they're holding Trump 2020 flags, is is no that's fucking absurd. Bit, uh, are people in Huntington yeah. protesting? You saw that's where. So I had posted on my Instagram. Did you see like all the? It, it's um it's a photo of a black man being pushed to the ground by police officers and white people. The caption says white people they should have followed the rules. Uh-huh. The middle section are immigrants behind cages, and the caption says white people. They should have followed the rules. The bottom one is a photo, I believe, from Huntington Beach of all those people holding, like, Trump 2020 flags Uh and protesting being stuck at home. And it's like, white people, now it affects me, so I'm not staying at home. Yeah. You know, or I'm pissed, or I'm whatever. Yeah. Um, And it's so true. Like, and that's what infuriates me. I have so much to say about this. Okay. Um, Okay. I feel like public safety when it comes to viruses or like a pandemic, politics shouldn't be a part of it considering it affects everyone, right? Obviously, it affects certain people more than others, but I hate when like it's like a political stance right now, right? Um, And I'm glad you bring this up because I don't want to sound like me being from the outside of that group Mm -hmm. trying to trash white people realistically because, you know, I love to do that. (laughs) But this is why I wanted to look at CNN and also... Fox News, because all the pictures of every state that they posted these protests, like you said, they were all white, all Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. Um, And the signs that they were holding in these protests, again, these could have just been like depictions of like, you know, how crazy the most outspoken ones were. But it was like, I want a haircut. (laughs) Like, that's what someone was protesting about staying at home, you know, or... um, even when I went to Fox News, though, it was the same imagery. Mm-hmm. All Literally, I stopped, looked at every single person in this photo. Every single person was white. Every single person had a Trump 2020 hat mm-hmm. on. Um, and not to make it political, like I said, but it just seems like it isn't about the pandemic as much as it's about we're like lack of power, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're thinking, oh, the Democrats, this is a scheme to take Trump down. <laughs> 
you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I get the scaredness, um, the the fear of like financially being unstable Mm -hmm. or, you know, the economic taking a downturn. I think we all obviously have that, especially us firsthand, where I personally have three jobs and every single one I'm like furloughed. Right. (laughs) And I'm not really making money after September. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I'm letting that play as as it is and see what the government will do, vice versa, on the other end of that. But like, racially speaking, if you look at the statistics, people who are of minorities are getting affected more by this coronavirus than white people right and that isn't just like a opinion that's literally that's fact, fact. Yeah. and the only way the only reason i bring that up is because usually the people who are getting affected are the ones who are the essential workers who mm-hmm. really are the ones who like um work the fast food places or right. you know have to be at the airport to mm-hmm. do like uh, security or stuff like that they, they, they don't have the fortune of staying at home mm-hmm. um and on top of that like healthcare system is like awful you know and yeah. a lot of like people who are sick the ER is like their only place yeah. of like getting help. So I, I just feel like it's like a multi-level thing. And yeah. it's so frustrating to me because I feel like, again, people are protesting because of a lack of power mm-hmm. than it is about really protesting for the reason. You know what I right. mean? And I bring this up because um, I thought this was important. But the Michigan Nurses Association issued a statement calling the protest irresponsible and saying it sends exactly the opposite message that nurses and healthcare professionals are trying to get across. We are begging people, please stay home you just have to be like responsible quote unquote you know and i feel like the longer you um don't follow the longer this is gonna be mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. it just it's almost like ass backwards right yeah um and before i say all of that like again i'm no expert <laughs> on any of it like all the information i got is probably the information you could find on the internet yeah but i feel like if you're gonna protest instead of protesting what's wrong why not protest solutions Mm. right like push instead of being like we need to go back to work be like we want to go back to work so what are you going to do to help facilitate that Mm -hmm. can we please protest that we need more um testing right you know what i mean so we know who has coronavirus who doesn't so we know what what population to quarantine and then after that be like okay once we had it please push for antibody tests so Mm -hmm. we know who's had it so we know if at least if they've already had it, we can go into work because we know we can't get it or spread it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's the kind of idea of what I would think would need to be protested. Not the simple fact of you can't get a haircut or, right. you know, you can't go to your nail salon. You can't go to Sharky's or whatever the case may be. I made up the Sharky's thing. That I was know. just for play. But like, I know. I- <laughs> I'm sure no one's in Huntington Beach like, Sharky, Sharky's. <laughs> so um, a friend posted something and I just wanted to like close it up with this because yeah. it, it was this like really dark reality uh-huh. um so a friend of mine um posted on his insta story uh something from the the guillotine shouter i don't know okay whatever um but it says if you want an example of how housebroken americans are right now there's mass protests in several states they aren't demanding rent freezes or ubi or ubi or healthcare. they're demanding the right to go out and die to keep making the ruling class richer it's true which like kind of sums up everything you just said. Yeah. Um, they're not protesting for solutions. They're protesting to go out and have the right to feed into businesses only to make the upper class that much more powerful and wealthy. But even in that, I just feel like people are, are going beyond the, uh, um, suggestions of scientists, like people who totally. understand facts We're, to try and implement new rules. And that's what doesn't make yes. sense. You are taking the advice of the people you should be listening to 
to argue with politicians who you don't who you already don't agree with. Mm-hmm. The people they're arguing with spent their entire life getting a doctorate to understand pandemics and stuff like that. And, as and they're telling you to do what? Stay the stay fuck home. home. our special guest because Shane I feel like wouldn't be a part of this conversation and I feel like he'd probably be sitting here in silence so without further ado I wanted to bring on my dad so this is Ray Weaver hello hello how's everybody doing (laughs) okay so I guess this first question dad is um, I always like to go back um, anytime we have a guest and kind of give a little bit about yourself before this moment so that people know where you're coming from as far as your viewpoint so that everyone feels a little bit more drawn into the conversation. So I guess let's start with um, your childhood and where did you grow up? Well, I I originally born in Mobile, Alabama, uh, and I left uh, Alabama when I was a kid, about six years old, and my mom moved to Detroit, and she moved to Detroit uh, with uh, her her five children, my three other brothers and my sister, uh, after being in a violent relationship with my dad, uh, then we actually went in, went to Detroit in the summer of '68, right after the riots. Then I grew up in uh, Detroit until I was 18. Uh, then I joined the military, and uh, I was in the military for like 30 years, and kind of traveled the world and saw America. Uh, then I'm here now. I know that we've spoken about this, but I feel like it kind of plays into what we're going to talk about. Um, how was your dynamic in your own family? Like, did you feel like the oddball or did you feel like you kind of got along with what? Your- well, no, I was always the, the kind of, uh, I, I was the middle kid. And as my mother used to my mother told me as I was taking care of her in her older age, is that I was the one she never had to worry about. Sure. So in that, I was kind of self-sufficient, kind of took care of myself. Uh, and I was kind of oddball. It was kind of funny that um, my brothers and sisters used to call me Carlton. From the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> that honestly, Dad, is so fitting. <laughs> I could imagine because every time we would go home to family functions, no offense, but you were kind of like, I guess the nerdy one yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, family. Yeah. But not—I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Well, like, I call it a blurred, a black nerd. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. What made you decide to go and join the military? I was in the U.S. Air Force for thirty years, enlisted, uh, and actually, what uh, made me go into it. Uh, was I actually looked around Detroit, and I saw during that time, it was uh, the late 70s, and the late 70s, and I actually went in 1980. So between 77 and 79, I started seeing the decline of the automobile uh, factory factory mm-hmm. work. and But I saw the int, the uptick of, of violent crimes and uptick of crack sales and all that kind of drugs and everything, and I just realized that uh, that wasn't for me. But actually, it was a actually a teacher that really uh, kind of tricked me in going to the military. Really? Yes, and it was uh, my uh, government teacher. And what she did is she looked at me about uh, three weeks before I joined the military, and she says, uh, I saw your potential, but I also know that you're not college material mm. and that you need to get away from here. So if not, this, this city would eat you up because mm. you, you just got a kind heart and, it, 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 and, and you and your family and all that stuff. You're not, you just don't fit here. Sure. Yeah. So that's what it was. 
I mean, in essence, really, then that was kind of a gift. It was a great gift. Yeah, it was a great gift. I, you know, and, and I and I went back after I, after I joined the military and said thank you to her and stuff like that. And I think she's passed on now. I think she's, you know, she's if she's still alive, she'd been her hundreds. Sure. <laughs> no, but uh, but anyway, that that that's what happens. You know, some people come into your life at the right time, mm-hmm. and sometimes you you think it, we we always used to say just because you think somebody's crapping on you. Don't mean they're trying to hurt you, and just because mm-hmm. someone's pulling out your crap, don't mean they're trying to help you. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at the time true. it felt that she, I could, oh, she's trying to crap on me, but actually she was trying to help me. So. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. So then, I get this question all the time, and I never know what to respond because I guess I never. I feel like you've had this conversation with me before, but you know, growing up, I feel like you never know what the hell your parents do. You just right. know that there's food on the table, right? And life is like what it is. But what exactly did you do? In the military. Well, I can't tell you that I have to kill you. Oh, no. please. <laughs> no, no, no. Was, I always tell people, I'm like, uh, like, especially now that I fly, yeah. um, they're like, oh, where did you grow up? And I explain. They're like, wait, what? why did you move around so much? Right. And um, I'm like, oh, my dad was in the military. And then they're like, oh, what branch? I'm like, Air Force. And like, oh, did, he was a pilot then. I'm like, no. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. the pilot is such a small subsection. So I guess, what did you do in the military? Well, if, if people look at it, it's it, most of my role was if, if – People understand military. It's called what they call mission support. Mm-hmm. So in that mission support, you have people who are calm. You have uh, communications. You have people who are in uh, security forces. You have people who are in services because we have a big hospitality industry. Because mm-hmm. you know we got to have a place to stay when we go every place. Right. And you got to feed people. Right. So that's kind of a hospitality. And you also have people who are in uh, finance and people who are in personnel. And that they call that support services. Okay. And that's the great. Uh, uh, that that really. Uh, is a big part of the military. Mm. And so I was more in support services. Actually, I was a comm guy. I transitioned into more of a human resources role, which is called a first sergeant. And what people don't realize is that uh, sergeant is actually French for survive. It comes from the French word survive, which means servant. Mm. So I was actually the first servant. So that kind of fit more my role while I was supporting people and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, helping people grow and all that stuff. And that's what I developed, and that I was a better fit for that. It kind of fit my personality. It actually gave me autonomy, too. Yeah. Because uh, I could actually, the, the autonomy was there because, uh, uh, like, if I would have to stay up at night and help somebody through something, I didn't have to come in early the next day. I could always do that. Or if I had to go here, go there, I had the autonomy working directly for the commanders right. where I could go different places and do what needs to be done. And in that, too, because I went from uh, in, in those times as a first sergeant, I actually was in so many different organizations. I was in transportation organizations. I worked in hospitals. I worked in uh, services agencies. I worked uh, in uh, on flight lines, dealing with mechanics and, and some of the fighter pilots and, and uh, air, heavy aircraft pilots. So it grew a wealth of knowledge and generalization that has really helped me now. Yeah. And so if you were to give that, all of that that mm-hmm. you just said, if you were to sum it into a job that is like outside of the military, like something that's, I guess a listener could understand is like, oh, I get it. Human resources director. Okay. It was more, it was part counselor. It was, it's consultant, counselor, and coach. Okay. And it's funny that, I mean, I guess it's not funny. It's it's kind of like no brainer, but like now that you're retired from the military, um, you're a life coach. Right. And I feel like... <laughs> It's funny because I always feel like I'm in that position for my own friends of like being a life coach. So right. I feel like for sure if you're going to say that you should have been doing something, mm-hmm. probably you're destined, destined. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I sure. feel like with me, the same thing. I, I feel like we're both very the problem solvers in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And people come to us because I know my friends absolutely adore when you come to town because they like you're like their psychic voodoo witch. <laughs> 
where they're like psychic voodoo witch. I got. I'll put that on my resume. Yeah. Okay. Psych, psychic voodoo witch weaver is what they call you. No, just kidding. But they always are like, dang, when your dad comes to town, he always just solves my problems. Mm. Um, like the other day, as an example, like Kyle was coaching and you came to the gym just to kind of see what was going on. And then after, I was like, how, how was your conversation with my dad? He's like, well, now your dad just inspired me to open a whole new city. You know, like, <laughs> something stupid like that. I was like, you're so dumb. So now that you've transitioned out of the military, let's talk about that transition. Because I, I can imagine right. that that is very difficult because... Yeah. From my understanding of the military, not directly being in it, but also growing up within that, being a military brat, I feel like right. the rules are very regimented, and the 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 idea of autonomy, no, is that the right word? Where you're like your own individual doesn't really get praised very much. Um, it almost feels like you have to kind of be a part of the whole, like a piece of the whole, right? Okay. So now that you're out of the military and you don't necessarily have to be a part of that whole and you kind of have like this free range of like okay what am i going to do has that been a struggle for you well yeah it was when you when you when you spend your whole life especially when you were going from 18 to 48 mm -hmm. that's 30 years of your life yeah. in this really structured environment what i call it, it's actually a socialist environment for and, sure and, though uh, you know cuz we get you get free medical free education uh, free housing uh, everybody tends to wear the same uniform, and depending on your job, you get paid the same. <laughs> Which is so ironic because, like, I think about that all the time, especially now with like the current political environment, right. where like, in essence, Democrats, especially Bernie Sanders, everyone's like socialist, socialist, and that is not a trigger word for me because to me, I'm like, yeah, that was my childhood. <laughs> like, I mean, not in the extreme sense of socialist, socialist, but like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it, it works for us, but then again, it's a very but you got to realize everybody's giving up their life. Exactly. And so part of that is... And that's, uh, I think that goes into why I'm saying there's like that lack of freedom, right? That it, where well, as long as you play by the rules... Yeah, as long as you, you have get. the rules and the skill sets where you're still performing. Right. So everybody who does that, I, I jokingly say social, but it's a really high performance uh, organization right. because if you don't perform, you're gone. You're gone, yeah. And so in that, uh, for that, with all that stuff we have, we also have to put our life on the line. Sure. And much of what it is, so you have to put skin in the game. So much of what you're hearing people complain about, it's it's great to give people stuff free, but if they got no skin in the game, they're not going to appreciate it. Right. <laughs> they're no, not totally. going to appreciate it. Which, I mean, makes sense. Like, you shouldn't yeah. get a free handout if you're not going to be, right. like, a productive, right. you know, member to the team. Right. Yeah, like any real-life job, you know? Right, you're not exactly. good at your job, you should be let go. Exactly. But um, going back, explain that transition of becoming coming out of that, quote-unquote, socialist environment to like what now free well, life Well, a is. part of it is is when you're in there, you get, uh, the big thing is defining who you are without your title. Sure. Without all your roles and titles. And that, uh, uh, the, the way it was, I had saw a, uh, a, uh, a video or a tele, a telecast once or something. They had uh, a guy from Penn State who was a psychiatrist and he ran the Penn State School of Happiness. And they also had Michael Strahan who's on Today's Show. Mm -hmm. And they also had a SEAL on there. A SEAL, what do you a mean? SEAL, a Navy SEAL. Oh, okay. And who is now, he's still, and he does a lot of political work and all the stuff. I can't remember his name. Uh, and then they had a uh, 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 another uh, um, guest who was dealing with, who, who's helping people, who helps people transition through grief, grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And so they said something that was very interesting, is they said after loss, uh, it usually takes people about five years to transition to the new normal. Mm -hmm. Not trying to get, because it's not trying to get back to something, transition to the new normal. And then what they talked about was the similarity between uh, professional athletes and military. For sure. And what they said is because you leave at such a young age, 
You know, my career was over at 30 years. I was 48 years old. Right. And you think about athletes, you know, after 44 to seven years, they're gone. Right. And they're still young. And so in that, uh, what the, 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 the person who talked about grief said something along the lines of that, uh, actually, when you leave the military or football, it takes you about seven years. To get to the new normal, so mm-hmm. it takes you it takes you almost it takes you two years longer than being part of just, that identity. Uh, yeah, uh, well, two years longer than it does somebody losing someone. Right. Sure. <laughs> so, so it's just that something stuck in my head, and so part of that transition is uh, uh, trying to find okay, what what next? So part of that would kind of help me as I remember before I got out the military, I actually went and saw a, a counselor, mm-hmm. and I sat there and I said, hey, you know, I'm having this hard time transitioning, and then she gave me some advice that I never forgot. And what she said was, I'll give you two pieces of advice somebody gave me. One piece of advice that she gave me was that now I don't have to complete everything. She says, you've already completed. You were in a role where you had to complete. Mm -hmm. So your completion was 30 years. She says, but now when you get out, you can go try something. If you don't like it, you can just quit. Which is very true. (laughs) Which is very true. It's almost kind of like what we talk about. How you always feel like you need to work. Yeah. Because I always tell my dad, just a little backstory, like, my generation, we have no money. Mm -hmm. Like, we're the generation of renters. Like, we rent TV by, like, signing up for Netflix. We rent food by Uber Eats or whatever the case is. Or, like, Blue Apron, where we're renting a subscription to food. Um, We literally rent our housing. So, like... Uh. I feel like we grew up in a time where, like, nothing really was ours. So that sense of, like, raising money to have something, it's never, like, a goal. It's, like, as long as we can, like, create a stable environment to, like, sustain what we want, it's fine. Um, But, like, for you, I feel like, and you and mom especially, like, you want that that traditional American dream where you work hard, make money, and then what success is defined as is, like, how much money you have. Well, I think you need to step back a little further on that. I think that's because you and your mom, both you and my mom, growing up, we had, all we were really working on was our um, self-esteem, not our self-esteem needs, our security and survival needs. Yes. So you'll find that a lot of people at our age, uh, we are used to having to work on our, our survival and 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 you know that that survival and the psychological needs on a lower scale right, of the Maslow right. hierarchy needs, and so that and then the belonging. Right. So you know, just do we belong? That's why you'll see us like join all kind of uh, like churches and right. say, because that, that just makes us feel like we belong. To have that security means something because we didn't have it. Right. And so what I'm finding is y'all generation. It, you always, many of you already had this security and survival needs met. Sure. So now you can work on the self-esteem and self-accusation yeah. needs. And so you get out and say, oh, I don't need this now. Because you had that platform to do right. that. But we, in our in our time frame, we didn't have that. Right. But it just goes back to saying like, yes, like now that you're in the military and um, you've completed all your tasks, I feel like for you, dad, what I see is that you struggle with what's next. Not struggling like a, oh, yeah. oh bad yeah. thing. You know what I mean? But I feel like you always fall trope into that like pattern yeah. of I, I need to keep working to right. like well you know I've been working since I was seven right I had a job since I was seven so and, and there's many people in my generation that that we've been working since I was seven so part of me is I really enjoy working because it just it, it's not about so much the money it's just that it gives me just something to do sure and uh, I've traveled the world uh, uh, you know I've seen this I've seen that uh, I and I love doing stay, staycations, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes I just need to say, yeah, let me go here and do this. Mm-hmm. Let me here go do that. So much of it, this just gives me opportunity where I'm at just to try new things. Right. And I just see too that that's who I am. 
And I just work the same way with your mom. That's right. why she ducks. Right. You know, she she goes to work four days a week because she just said, "Hey, what, what am I gonna do?" Right. <laughs> and because I'm our whole life was to prepare for you guys and raise you guys, and then also me taking care of my mom until she passed early. You know, like you know, yeah. she passed early in January, and so we've just been doing that. And our whole life, we've just been taking care of folks and getting things done. Yeah. And we're just in that generation. Right. And it's not so much about the money. It's just that hey, we we still have something to give. Sure. <laughs> That's all it is. Sure. And, and, and we're going to live a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it goes back into like, um, like going back into your identity, you know? And I yeah. think part of your identity as uh, an individual that's successful is like work. And right. even though it might not like seem like, oh, if I'm not working, I'm not successful, but right. it's just part of who you are as a person. Right, right. And so that's probably why you feel the need to like keep well, going. I, yeah, it could be. could be. I mean, and I, I, I measure success different now though. Sure. I measure success different now because I, I have this, uh, uh, one of my, my strengths is intellectual, uh-huh. which means I like, uh, I, I like to think and, and when I'm, when I think I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so in that part of And t- I, I honestly think you've passed that on to me for sure. Because <laughs> if I'm like, literally dead, I'm like, okay, let me drive here, like in LA, it's going to take me 45 minutes. What can I learn in 45 yeah, minutes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, instead of like listening to music on the way there, I always am like, okay, let me listen to this podcast or watch this exactly. video to learn this or that. Exactly. So I guess thanks. <laughs> yeah. So in that too, is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm also thinking about going back to get my doctorate in philosophy. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking, I'm, I'm, that's why I will expand it. It became a disauthorized partner because I was interested in the disc products. Then I became, then I got my Myers-Briggs certification. Then I got my uh, leadership circle certification. And what else? I can't remember what other, all the other certifications. I got then I became a life coach and I'm always expanding uh, just my knowledge it's not so much to use it all the time it's just my knowledge and many of the people I'm around we're, we're constantly reading new stuff we're yeah. constantly just staying on top of stuff looking at Ted Ted videos going hmm ooh, look, hey, wow look it's just interesting to just totally. know things That's totally all. yeah I agree it's funny because it's I think it, it, it the apple does not far from the tree when it comes to the two of us yeah, yeah. I think I have a lot of qualities of mom too probably not this not yeah. the good one we'll I want to talk about that because she may be listening you know? yeah, right. like the stubbornness being too proud maybe I didn't say that that wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say amen, but I wanted to. But, but I it's wasn't. funny how much of a product of your your per, your parents you are. Yeah. Just like I don't know if it's like learned or if it's like genius. Yeah. 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 Now that we've covered your personal life as far as your journey of getting to this point, I want to get more into like the family nitty gritty. Okay. Um, what did you hope that me and Alan would turn out to be? We never had a desire of what we wanted you to be in life. We just wanted to give you opportunity to choose what works for you. Sure. You know, now I'm not going to say your mother was not disappointed that you guys are not a doctor and a lawyer, but you know, that's that. That's uh, that, that Korean blood. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that Korean blood. She yeah. wants us to be doctor, lawyer, yeah. anything else. It's like, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. But now that you give her um, free flights and things like that, she kind of think you're okay. Yeah, right. As long as she feels like she's benefiting from Probably having a child. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For people who don't know, um, like like we mentioned earlier, obviously my dad was in the military, so we've like traveled a lot. I yeah. went to middle school in England, elementary school in Korea, graduated high school in Germany. What was your idea of making that decision for our family? Well, my the reason I made that decision was uh, first I, I hit hit about I think you remember 1996. Uh, uh, that was about my 20. Uh, what was it 96? When, when, when you were when we were in Korea. I think it was, I hit my 20-year mark in the service, so that yeah. was about 90. 90 yeah, because w- we moved out with you after mm-hmm. that year, so 97 to 99, yeah. It was about 2000 when I got promoted to senior master sergeant and yeah. all that other stuff. So what I said is I said, okay, let me think different here. How can I give my kids the best education 
and not pay for it. Sure. And so in that, I says, you know, uh, I start, uh, I, I actually at that time, I, I was working with fighters, fighter, uh, uh, in a fighter squadron. And then I, I moved from there to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And I start talking to the doctors and stuff there. Uh, and and they start thinking they start saying hey you know most of our kids that went to you know before them coming to Europe the kids went to private schools and all that stuff but one of the reasons they came to Europe was because the Department of Defense school systems rival all the top uh, uh, private schools in America mm. and so I said wow how can I stay here longer overseas so that y'all can get all your education where you through all the way through high school or prepare you better for college. Mm -hmm. And so in that, that's why I decided to stay. But I knew that. I said, okay, if I stay here, uh, there'll be times, too, where I would have to deploy uh, in the sense of for wars and all the rest of that mm -hmm. stuff. But I said, it's worth it uh, to give my kids opportunities that they would not have in the States. Because what I knew is that when you move to America, if you don't send your kids to private school, you have to go to public schools. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you live, you may not have the best public schools around. Mm -hmm. That There's a good chance I wouldn't be able to find a place that would uh, uh, be beneficial for your your growth and your your and also that you guys had been out of America for su such a long time, and I didn't really feel comfortable about America because I really liked that uh, the security, the secure environment, and also the leadership environment that was uh, in in the military. Mm -hmm. As I start moving up, I start also it allowed you guys to have access to people that you probably wouldn't have had if we stayed in America. Sure. And so in that, that's why I kind of said, hey, I'm going to try my best to work to stay overseas to give you guys the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's why we stay. Mm -hmm. And it, it is cool because, like, I think growing up overseas in, like, an American school, it's very um, a special or sacred opportunity because not many kids can go through that experience. But, like, right. I remember having that high school experience of, like, prom you know, athletics, right. all your traditional American stuff, but then the school was either in Korea or right. Germany or England. And on top of that, the stuff that you learn in your history books are like panned out in real life. Because like, I remember always going on field trips to like Spain for the weekend, right. you know, yeah. or like Korea right. going down to Pusan or whatever right. the case right. is to like learn about the actual history that are in the books. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it was really cool. And I also think what was really cool too is that for whatever reason, there was, like, no race issues. I mean, I'm sure there was, but I feel like not as much as there are in America only because everyone um, was already the outsider. Right. Right? Like, yeah. we were the American right. to the Germans or the American to the British or the American to the Korean. So, like, in essence, we all kind of, like, banded together to make it feel like home away from home. And through that experience, I feel like it really does give us a big mindset to, like, not have to carry the burden of like past history you know right. well for me too i i started realizing one thing about overseas that was totally different for me was it was the first place i was just called american not a hyphen american sure and so i was treated as an american outside america right like it's not like you're, oh you're african yeah yeah i was, I was just Asian american, american. Yeah, yeah i was american like and it's crazy because like obviously aesthetically speaking we are but yeah. like that african-american brings on all the history behind right, it of right. like when you speak to someone who is black, you already assume certain right. things about them. But exactly that, when you're right. just an American, right. you're like, oh, you you celebrate Fourth of July. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, also too, it, it allowed me to understand the 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 what I call when people ask, are you African American? I say, no, I'm an American of African descent. Sure. And so that that for me, I first put the American first because that allows me to remind me that I have my freedoms. Mm -hmm. And so I have my freedoms to to disagree with somebody, but also have the freedom to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. Right. That, that doesn't mean there ain't barriers. That don't mean ain't this. But 
first it's about can I take advantage of the opportunities that I'm there so that's one thing the military taught me too because it gave me the freedom to think like a free man mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was part of it too which is true because I feel like that experience kind of let me become the person that I wanted to be because even though like I feel like the natural person that I am didn't really get fostered within that environment right, right. the idea that freedom is still there um it was nice to know that even if you choose that there are those obstacles that are going to be in your way but Either way, as long as you're authentically yourself, you can generate whatever power that you want. From well, also, that. there's a thought that I always, uh, that someone said to me, and, I'm, and I, I really believe it, and a long time ago, and it was something I, I thought, and I, a friend of mine, Michelle Payne, she always says it too, and if she ever hears this, she's she going to love it. But it's a thing that says that it's a, there's, there's freedom in structure. Mm-hmm. So that structure life actually gives you more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people don't realize that when you get a little bit more disciplined and, and kind of structure things, it really gives you a lot of freedoms to, if you got that structure where you're meeting all the physiological needs, the, the security needs and all that stuff, where there's a great structure there. Now in that, you may have to give up a few things, but it's a structure and it allows you now to kind of contemplate your thought process right. of how you're going to, how you're going to live your life. For sure. That, so Because it's almost like um, when I help with these kids at the gym and like, as something, like you said, the needs of like someone being hungry, they're not as like... Um, in the moment to take on anything else if they're thinking about a basic need that they need. Right. And yeah, this environment definitely let our basic needs be met 100% right. of the time right. yeah. so that we could go deeper into our thought, right. our identity, right. and things like that. Yeah, so that, like, in essence, it was a great experience. And it's funny because people are like, how was that moving around so much? But I'm like, I didn't know anything else. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it was yeah. like, it yeah. is what it's it like is. It's like when people ask, yeah. what is it like being black? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I know. Like, I don't know what it's like <laughs> being white right. or Indian yeah. or, you know, <laughs> like Chinese even. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. So um, I guess I wanted to go back into, um, like, to narrow it down to yeah. pretty much our dynamic. Yeah. Because um, I know... When, when I was younger, Dad... Oh, you were a great kid. You were just so wonderful. Never gave me any trouble. <laughs> well, I just want to talk about, like, our journey as, like, father and son. Because I yeah. feel like, even though you've had two boys, yeah. uh, me and your relationship is completely different than Alan and I's yeah. relationship. Well, yeah. yeah. And I just remember at a young age, um, at one point, you were, like, my hero. Yeah. Where uh, anytime, like, there would be, like... Um, a book project about the person that yeah. was the most to you or whatever I'd always want to talk about you and then somewhere along the line that kind of fell off yeah. and like I don't I think part of it was just adolescence and yeah. like not feeling understood and like yeah. feeling like an outsider but I think obviously a, a big part of it was just me being gay and not okay. realizing how that you're like, gay? <laughs> <laughs> like not realizing how that kind of like played within that so yeah. I guess let's start at the beginning before I came out to you did you know that I was like gay? Oh, you were about when you were about uh, one year old. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, just not. Well, but you know, it's just that it wasn't that I knew you were gay. I just said this, he's different. He's sure. a different kid. Oh, uh, and you know, because we grew up in Montana and all that stuff. I also watched how you, you know, we used to put you kind of into boy things, the baseball, the this, the that. So you know, just kind of keep you active. But also know too that it's just that you you were just going to be a different kid. I can't say I knew you were gay, but I just knew that you were going to be a different kid. But also, I was a different kid. Sure. And so in that too, that's what it was. And also, it uh, you know every one. I'm just going to every parent I ever met, um, especially who has a son. Uh, there's going to be a period where you're not going to be their hero. Yeah. And that's part of because it's also you're having to define yourself, and also because uh, there was a time when I used to think my 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 stepfather was the hero. Uh-huh. Then it hit a point like, man, I can't stand this dude. Sure. <laughs> but as I grew and I grew and I grew, I grew to understand him. 
but it wasn't really growing to understand him. I start growing to understand myself. Right. And then start realizing that, um, and I'm going to put it this way, uh, so just somebody who, who maybe have sensitive, sensitive ears, you start realizing you're a grown-ass man. Yeah. And you can make your own decision. I think for me was, I felt like it's easy to find someone to be your hero when they kind of fall in line with everything that you strive to be. Right. Or like every decision they make. But then as you grow up, you realize that is like such an impossible role to fill. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone is human. Yeah. And I think I had to take that into my own self right. with my relationship with you and be like, my dad is doing the best that he can with the resources he has. And sometimes it might not feel like it's best for me, right. but that's okay. But you know, when you're a kid, you just think, the world is against me. Yeah, like, yeah. how can this be? You know, especially my dramatic ass. Yeah. It was very that. <laughs> well, I mean, you run to 50-year-old people right now that still think that. True. <laughs> so, True. So part of that is, I think it's just, the, do you kind of get through the, it, we all got this period of time where we, we have to quit kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. For sure. And look at, say, and what I call it, you hit a point where you go, what do I got in my hand? Mm -hmm. What can I do with what I got in my hand? And that's my responsible, my responsibility mm -hmm. now. And part of it too is um, it's 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 kind of you hit a point of what we what I really call even I had to go through this with my parents a point of forgiveness mm -hmm. and like you just said it where you start realizing they doing the best they know how to do for what they know how to mm -hmm. do and that don't mean they done everything you needed or we done everything you needed but we did the best we knew how to do right. for what we knew how to do right. and what a lot of people think is they need to they think they need to get everything externally from everyone to to have this happiness and joy mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But they don't realize that happiness thing is internal mm -hmm. and that you have to kind of stop and really go, okay, what will make me happy? And this is the key. Are you giving yourself permission to seek it out? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Because for me, it was very much kind of like that same storyline of like, if you grew up different, didn't it feel different? But if this all I ever knew, right. then that's my, my existence, right. right? My reality. And it felt the same way when we were going through our like little turmoil where... I would tell my everyone my story, you know, like, oh, where's your parents? Why aren't they here? Da 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 da. And just like through our family dynamic, it just didn't work out in right. that that season, right? right? And I felt fine about that over the years, but then people who are taking their own existence or their own story right. and be like, wow, that must be difficult because you're. Right. I feel so much joy from my existence, from what I have with my parents, right. that you must be in so much pain. But I never felt that. Right. But then because they were questioning it, it would make me question it and be like, right. well, fuck, wait, maybe I should be sad, you right. know? Or like even during the holiday season where it's like based in tradition, we were never a traditional family when it came to the holidays. No. Like, Again, like who we, barbecues on Christmas exactly, in Montana? Exactly. Where it's like I think we're that's used, us. Literally, it's like we're used to not tradition, no tradition, yeah. because like two years we'll be in Korea, and their yeah. way of celebrating Christmas is completely different right. than yeah. somewhere else. And you just make it work, and that was like what I used to be. We went from Mississippi to Kansas. No, Mississippi to Montana. To Mo no, Montana to Mississippi Sippy, to Kansas, Kansas to Korea yeah. to England yeah. to Germany. At Christmas was different every every single time. And. <laughs> That's where I had I have to admit, those German Christmases are great because they know how to drink wine. They were so good. But the thing is, is that, like, I had to realize and really deconstruct that idea of, like, my existence and, like, our dynamic and being, like, I, I would love to take it for face value, like, right. it is what it is. But then all that filteredness of being, like, oh, my God, that must be so difficult. You're, like, well, maybe it is. But then I'm, like, okay, no, Brian, go back to what you know. Right. Like, stop believing narratives that are you're hearing right. or telling yourself of, like, difficulty and I always knew that this would come back around, but right. just in this moment, everyone's on their own journey trying to figure out. Exactly. And that's where, that's was like the biggest learning experience for me with this family. Cause I think like with you and I, 
doing this, I would not have guessed we could have had this open conversation about it yeah. years, like even five years ago. Oh, yeah. And, like, even with me and mom, like, I would never have this conversation with her because, like, no offense, Good luck with that one. I've never had a conversation with her. But, like, I'm going to say this comically. That bitch is crazy. Okay? Is she crazy? Like, sometimes I'm like, how did you guys get together? But She's crazy in a good way. In a good way. In a great way. Like, that clearly makes me who I am. You just know, you know, your mother's the kind of person. you know Yes. You know your limitations. You know what you're going to get. Exactly. And so, if you... that really helps. You know what you're gonna get, so you go, okay, this is this is what I'm gonna get. Yeah, that's good. And I, like, <laughs> and it never changes. It never changes. <laughs> and to say that I love her, or whatever, like yeah. here nor there, but like, I love the fact that I, I know what I'm getting, and it's okay. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. I would expect the same. Like, I'm meeting her where she's at yeah. in this moment, and yeah. I can't do anything more. Well, your mom to me is my ride or die chick. Sure. You know, like if I came home one day and say, "Babe, I got some bodies in the back, in the back of the trunk," she go. I got the shovels. Literally. That is, that is mom. Yeah, that's mom. Don't worry um, about it. I got the shovels. We'll make this work. Um, but going back, I guess, because um, earlier in the podcast last season, uh-huh. I did talk about my coming out story, and I went into a pretty in-depth dive into the, the moment yeah. that, like, realistically, our family imploded. Right? That day. Oh, that the day. day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> you know, patient zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know we've talked about this, but I feel like it'd be cool to kind of like talk yeah. about it on Oh, podcast. be cool. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it'd be fun to talk about it on podcast. It's I, fun. Woo, let's go back to that day. Because <laughs> I feel like it's 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 a cool experience to like yeah. come back and maybe someone can learn something yeah, from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, Dad, I think, like I, I mentioned before, like that was a very big letdown for me uh, right. of how I viewed you as a father. Right. Um, and let me explain. I know that we've said this, but just to yeah. reiterate, um, I feel like when there's something that is unjust happening and that's my own opinion obviously it was unjust because it's happening to me but yeah. regardless um when you stay silent you're almost agreeing to what's going on right. and that's how i felt in that moment right. that you were agreeing to everything that mom was saying to me in that moment right. um especially with someone at the time that i loved and still do as a best friend right. obviously our relationship right. has changed over over yeah. the course of the years but hey, like yeah he still he still stays away from wrong <laughs> Yeah, Kyle, Kyle's afraid of mom. He's afraid of mom. Yeah, he's like, yeah, no, I can't. And I was like, girl, same. <laughs> but um, what were you thinking in that moment? Uh, for me, uh, it was just uh, I had to play a different role. Sure. Uh, because I had to support my wife, but also I had to keep a door open when you were ready to talk again that it was there. Right. Uh, and so uh, you may, in some way, I think I did failure by not really saying anything. But at the same time, I grew up in a, I grew up believing that uh, um, you always support your wife. Mm-hmm. You always support your mate, even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, uh, even after you left, I got the brunt of it. Mm. And her role, her thing is, well, why didn't you say something to him to change his mind? And why didn't you? So it was both of you guys going. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you say something? And why? Didn't you, and she was like, well, why didn't you speak up more for me? And you're going, why didn't you speak up more for me? So I'm going, okay, sooner or later we'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. So and and sometimes what I learned is when you don't really know what to do, sometimes it's just good to say nothing mm-hmm. and just kind of let it play out, let it sit for a while, then come back to it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think anything was going to get solved that day. Yeah. So that's that's the why I saw. Yeah. Because I, 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 you know, obviously, since I was the receiving end, it's yeah. obviously played in my head like yeah, years yeah, yeah. and years yeah. and all this trauma and all this stuff. But 
even if you were to come to my side in that moment, Dad, I don't think that I would have believed it or trusted it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. And okay. so I don't. Like, well, I, I don't know about that. You, yeah, I'm glad you're right. saying it, but I, yeah. But okay. like for me, I think that the, the, the damage of what was said, I think my emotions would have been too heightened. Yep. And because you were sitting across the table on her side, I would have felt, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'm done, yeah. you know. Um, but again, like over the course of the years, Dad, like that idea of you sitting there standing idle, like I now understand your your yeah. your viewpoint on it. And again, like to say if I was in the same position, how would I feel? I don't know. Like right. to be sitting next to someone that is my partner right. and we're now speaking to someone who obviously is someone important to us, but like which side do you take? Because yeah. it's a lose-lose regardless. It's a lose-lose regardless. I'm, I'm still losing on it. Okay. <laughs> I completely understand that. And yeah. Like great thank the universe that like it could come full circle for the two of us but um yeah in that moment it was like a really hard pill to swallow yeah because being from a camp of like already feeling an outcast yeah in this family and then like not that you pushed me out but just kind of or just let me go it felt like okay yeah all the stories that i was telling in my head were true yeah i got you. you know what i mean yeah and part of that too is i gotta understand how i see life is a little different it was he's gonna go on uh, and when you, that day I realized, I said, okay, he's going to go find himself. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to be a journey and that it ain't going to be an easy one, but it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And, and that was exactly true. Like yeah. it was not yeah. easy at all. Yeah. Uh, but what in life is totally. And, and it's funny cause when people, when I talk about that mm-hmm. situation, people always meet it with sadness mm-hmm. and I don't like, obviously there was sadness behind yeah. that situation, but I don't look back on it with sadness I almost look back at on it with like gratefulness because I feel like that experience alone teaches you so much about compassion yeah. and like understanding the pain behind that I always say like you don't know until you experience it and mm-hmm. because I've experienced it and know exactly how that feels I feel like going forward I'm a little more in tune right. with the world right. and like seeing every high and low and everything right. in between is a lot easier to discern you know what yeah. I mean and like when there is like a hard decision stuff like it's easier for me to be resilient yeah and part of that i kind of understood it in some way not 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 in some way i'll put it this way and in some way it may fit a little bit you you in this world where you don't fit in what people that look like you mm-hmm. but you also don't fit in with people who don't look like you mm-hmm. and so part of it i think we're all on this journey where we're trying to find out who we are mm-hmm. and much of it we hit a point where we realize that we have to define who we are mm-hmm. And much of that comes from where uh, uh, the, the 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 thing I'm always telling some of my leadership clients and all the other clients I'm working with, but also with some the piece of advice someone gave me. And as you grow, you kind of you kind of understand this: is that if a thought you're having isn't helping you, have another thought. It is literally <laughs> that simple. simple. I mean, but the journey of getting to that to next thought is that, not yeah. easy, but, but like the yeah. deciding factor yeah. is like that simple. Yeah. So I mean, and so part, much of that, well, the thought ain't helping me. How how is this helping me grow? How is this helping me develop? Mm-hmm. And if it keeps getting me in this circle where I'm just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, I think we call that crazy. Yes. But and so much of what 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 I found in my life that helped, that my struggles and stuff were, was weren't really external. Mm-hmm. Now, is there barriers and stuff? Okay, everybody got barriers, okay? And I'm not trying to say we live in a perfect country and all the rest of that stuff. But you got opportunities. Mm-hmm. And much of what I'm finding in my life is that when I shifted my thinking, not from what I didn't have, but what I to look first at what did I have in mm-hmm. my hand and what could I do with what I got, it started transitioning me and moving me in a new place. Mm-hmm. Not only um, financially, 
but more so uh, allowing me to grow up and become what I call a grown ass man. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Though. Where I'm not looking outside for someone else to uh, uh, to approve of me, not looking for someone outside of me to tell me how great I am, uh, so I can be able to stay now and hang, hang and, you know, be silent when I want to. Or speak on something right. when it when it really moves me because everything's not my fight. <laughs> and and honestly, like you saying that is probably like the biggest gift that I've gotten from that mm-hmm. that experience there because like I let go of every other preconceived idea of what I should be yeah. and like just be. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm like, you know, as a kid or growing up, you always want like your parents' adoration right. or like you want to like impress them and say that you're proud. But like what I realized is like from what what mom was giving me and what I thought you were giving me at the time, like that cast out of like, you're not part of this. And that, right. you, like, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Cause you disappointed me in every sense of the way. Yeah. There's nowhere else to go other than yeah. up from up there. there. So I'm like, okay, well I have nobody to like answer to. <laughs> so, exactly. So I'm like, okay. But on the flip side, like, yes, that's the power side of it. But yeah. then on the flip side, you're like, well, where do I belong? Who yeah. am I? And that juxtaposition is hard to, like, discern and, like, navigate towards. But I think the, the beauty of it all is very that, where it's like you're, you you become a grown-ass man. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of that is we always keep looking where we belong, where we belong. And I just share this with people. You know, when you're invited to the table, act like you belong there. Totally. And so, you know, part of that is, is we got this idea that, that everybody at this table, they go in there, they're so assured themselves. They 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 got this, so they got that, and you keep looking out what you don't have again. But would you just stop? Go well. Am I am I appreciative of what I do bring? Mm-hmm. Am I appreciative of what I do have? Am I mm-hmm. appreciative of you know the skill sets that I bring and all that stuff? And it, and I may not have to always know the the know everything. And part of that in life, you don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. You just got to be open enough, be collaborative enough to be able to to be. Uh, be able to connect with people who may know something you don't. Right. And that means you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the biggest through line is that vulnerability. Yeah. Because like when you're vulnerable, you feel uncomfortable, then you write stories in your head of things that yeah. oh. this is why it's like this and da da yeah. and then you start believing in that narrative and then all of a sudden you're on a path that like never was what you were destined for. Yeah. But because of that scarcity and that scaredness, right. you're like this is where I need to go. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing. I and I'm, I'm in the in the season. I'm always thinking about: uh, Do I lead from my influence, or do I lead from my insecurities? Yeah. So if if you stop and think about the influence you have, and and what you act, you have more influence and actually more control than you think. Uh, you're not so worried about what you don't have. Because mm-hmm. like what that brings up for me mm-hmm. is like that idea of loneliness. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember always going through this, like that sense of like your foundation of my family's yeah. gone. Right. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. But it's like, I'm not alone. I'm just feeling lonely in this exactly. moment. Exactly. Cause you, you may know? have, if you don't look, if you never stop and look and see what you got. Yeah. Hand, and I'm like, be... I have plenty of people yeah. in my life yeah. that are friends yeah. that if I needed their assistance yeah. in any case of the word as a family yeah. member, they would show up for me. Yeah. But because I'm like, basing off of a whacked ass scale system yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm putting precedence over yeah. things that aren't factual and like yeah. putting over like that that better self idea of like a better future yeah. and buying into what that could be rather than what is I'm like living in this fictitious land that like you said the thought doesn't work so change my thought yeah. you normal know? is a perception totally and normal just don't exist it's not a fact it's so true <laughs> and everybody and that's where I'm always going what's the new normal regardless of any relationship uh, it, that all relationships are going to end tragically. <laughs> mm. It's true. 
That's true. Either yeah. somebody's going to die or somebody's going to leave early. Mm -hmm. All relationships do. So part of that to to really think that bad things are not going to happen to you, that's where you're fooling yourself. Right. And that's where a lot of times we fool ourselves is, is not so much that it's the thing that happens to us. It's that it happened to us. Mm -hmm. And we just hold it. I, could I would never believe anyone would say that to me. Or, or I wouldn't believe somebody would do this. And I would, well, they it's did. Gonna yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So just move on from that point. But we always, you know, and like, like you know, if you think about it, as he talks about too, if you think about it, there's so much tragedy in the world. There's so much. We can sit there and we can look out and thousands of people die in Syria or uh, 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 thousands of people die here and it doesn't affect us. But let somebody in Starbucks not give us our coffee on time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, who do they think? How do they do that to me? Yeah. Get, come on. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know. It, yes. And that's so American. <laughs> I get those people every time in first class. And I'm like, oh, sorry. We don't have any more bourbon. How dare yeah. you? Like, the world's going to end. Yes. All right, Judy Richard, get the fuck <laughs> off this way. Thank you. So let me just round out with this yeah. as like a hopeful ending. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Actually, this might not be helpful, but... um. As you know, I don't speak to mom very often, but yeah. I guess from the conversations you've had, because Alan always tries to give me like little tidbits, yeah. and she did call me the other day, which I was like right. surprised. Where, where do you think mom is within this journey, and how do you think it's going to well, end? Well, here's the thing. Uh, what I just want you to understand about your mom is this. She loves you. And her way of saying I love you is she called you. Mm -hmm. uh, her way of saying I love you is when she said, hey, I'm going to send you some money for your birthday, mm -hmm. or, or just saying happy birthday. And... That's who she is. And so part of that to, uh, uh, you know, I, I know you're not ho holding out that she's going to say, oh, I totally accept everything because that, that ain't her. Mm -hmm. And part of it is it's to her. She's embarrassed. Sure. And so because it's just her, her lot, you know, it, it's to, it's her, her, her age group. It's her beliefs. But it's also how she had, you know, she had dreams of uh, all her children having bunches of kids mm -hmm. and bringing the kids. And that's why we got this big house we live in and it's empty, you know, but, but in that about your mom is you just keep being you. Mm -hmm. Oh, and she's going to have to shift and adjust. But if you look over the years and think about your mom's life and sometimes we don't look at it from her perspective. And that's why now I, I really try to do so much for her in the sense of how I'm securing life and allowing her to have the freedom because uh, her, she had a tough life growing up too. Mm -hmm. uh, she actually left home when she was fourteen. Mm -hmm. uh, where her actually, her father uh, actually burnt her out of their house and left her and her mother and her two brothers on on the street mm -hmm. where they were eating out of garbage cans. Mm -hmm. doing, I mean, it was a very tremendous life. And then at fourteen, she learned how to cut hair and all that stuff. And uh, actually, she had nowhere to live, so she actually slept on the floor of the barbershop. Mm -hmm. But in that too. <laughs> She's a fighter, and she'll do any anything for her kids. For sure, even if uh, uh, some of the things they do, she she don't she don't appreciate. But one thing, she always got you back. What if we just say that's enough? Yeah, and I think that's where I'm at with yeah. it, Dad. It's that's just enough. like, I mean, what I want more. Who's to say? I don't yeah. know. Like, because yeah. I've had these discussions in my head plenty of times. Yeah. But I think where I'm at with the relationship. I don't need her to call me every day right. to show me that she loves me. Yeah. Um, if she were to say that or not, I don't care. Right. You know, if I feel that or not, it's not important to me. Right. I just know what is and yeah. what is is what it's going to be. And I, I'm fine with that. Right. And I really am fine with that. Because, like, 
if it really came down to the nitty gritty, I know that she yeah. would be there, yeah. but the day to day might not be the most ideal, and that's fine with me. Yeah, and the, the thing, the the thing I'm always saying to like, you know, I took care of my mom, mm-hmm. and people say, "Oh, you must do it because you love her." And I went, "No, because you don't know my mom." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm doing it because it's just the right thing to do, and that's how I feel. And that's that's all you can do. Am I doing it for the right thing? Is because the right thing to do now that allows you to live in your integrity. Mm-hmm. That allows you to still, regardless if you don't get anything from anybody. You know you're doing it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and so part of that that's that's that would be my advice to anybody out there who got a difficult parent to deal with. Are you just doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do? Yeah. And then once you realize that you're doing it because the right thing to do, that gives you control. Right. And complete control. <laughs> complete of the whole control situation. the whole situation. Because I'm I can now allow what I want from her or not yeah. want from yeah. her, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. But I also know that she's on whatever journey she's going to be on. Exactly. And that is not my journey to it, dictate. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, obviously her journey was to, like, say how I should live my life. But I jumped yeah. off that train. Yeah. But <laughs> so also, like, too. I should let her go on her own. And that's the same thing, too, to, to you know, and I think you understand, too, to say, well, she should do this. She should do that. That's, you know, what I call you shooting all over everybody. Mm-hmm. But, or in the other way, you're telling yourself stories that are unenforceable. Completely. And that's what much of us, much many of us do is we tell these stories that's unenforceable. Somebody should do this and somebody should do that. And you live in that expectation. And, yeah. and, and it, it don't help you any. No. It don't no. help you any. And, and then you miss what they're actually giving you. Yeah. Totally. And they may be doing the best they know how to do for what they know how to do in this season. Yes. Yeah. And and that's, that's, I guess, where we can leave it is that... Yeah. Where we, from from what I've learned most about this family is that we have always done best for what the resources we have in that moment. And that's literally all and, you can ask. Yeah, we're just a resilient family. Completely. And, you know, and we don't, yeah, and sometimes we're, we're surviving and sometimes, you know, sometimes we're functioning, sometimes we're, we're surviving, sometimes we're functioning and sometimes we're thriving. Yeah. But it's, we're going to just keep moving forward, but that's life. So at the end of each episode, we um, do this thing called In Season. Um, And In Season is just kind of like a way we round out the episode. It's something that we take interest in for the week, the day, Mm -hmm. your current life motto, whatever it is. It could be something super personal, super light, super airy, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But did you have something? Well, I think for me is I call this the season of forgiveness. Okay. And in that, I'm really focusing on forgiveness. And what I start looking at is I start looking at things that keep popping up in my any thoughts or anything that keeps popping up from the past and I'll stop and I'll forgive that person, whoever it is, whatever. But the big key is I start forgiving myself for how I let it affect me. Mm. And I think that's for me is the key in this season uh, is really exploring on what are the things that are affecting me that's uh, 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 affecting me having full peace. Mm. Having just let it go. So, you know, like losing my mom and all that stuff. I had to kind of work through things of just forgiving her for things that what she couldn't do when she was older. But also just forgiving myself for how I let it affect me. Sure. Not that I did anything wrong, but I, I, uh, it, it became like a, uh, what I, what I, what I amounted uh, to is, uh, it's like when you're, when you're, when you hurt your knee or you're, you're walking with a limp. What I start realizing it were because I didn't forgive myself for how I let things affect me. I was walking with an emotional limp. Mm. So that's that's the season for me is starting to, to improve so that I can feel my emotions and I can feel things are, are kind of getting in a line yeah. where 
uh, I'm in more control. Right. In the sense of, uh, uh, I think I told you earlier at lunch today, uh, from that poem Invictus, where the last line is talking about, I am the uh, 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 captain of my, uh, the master of my fate, the, cap- the captain of my soul, the master of my fate. Uh, and so I realized that much of that uh, captain, uh, that uh, the captain of my soul, is that uh, uh, understanding that I'm I'm the captain and lead my insecurities and all the rest of that stuff. But all these things that uh, 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 it all comes down just not forgiving myself for all these things, so that I can just be whole and complete and pre- in this present day. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big one for me. Okay, no, that's good. I think I'm gonna follow Sue with something similar. Um, I think my season is um, vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel like um, it's like you said, brought up just a second ago about lunch. How we've had a lot of these discussions about yeah. like, topics like this, and like kind of the books we've been reading or things that we've been taking interest in. And I think tapping into my gut, and my yeah. gut, I think, shut off that vulnerability mm-hmm. because I didn't want to look stupid or. Yeah. Um, feel certain emotions that might have been yeah. stirred up from past and I think me being vulnerable and like even taking a situation like this and letting like bring you on my podcast like for me this is a sacred space and for a while there the family didn't feel sacred for me yeah you know what I mean and yeah. so I guess being vulnerable in this moment and like having this discussion and hopefully yeah. it like going out into the universe um, with more of an open heart I think that would be like a good thing for me to practice this year yeah. and I'm kind of excited about yeah. it so vulnerability for sure yeah. is like my in season this this week yeah um but was there anything else you wanted to add as we wrap up this episode no i just i appreciate you allowing me to come on and have it i mean this is kind of therapeutic for me too yeah and it seems like it will well rounded well, and i'm just hoping that uh you know if everybody if you if you like what what you're hearing here and you like me to come back <laughs> hint hint <laughs> to let him know let me tell you dad <laughs> every time i have a guest they're like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know. I don't know. I've never. And by the end of the episode, they're always like, I feel like I should be a new host. <laughs> like, I should be a banana of your fruit snacks or the apple. I'm like, no, you should go home. <laughs> okay, I'll go home. I got you. No, no, no. But I'm sure, like, I, I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very popular episode. Um, but thank you, Dad, so much for coming along with this journey with me and thank you for being so open and honest oh yeah yeah. and um it's cool to have this kind of recorded because i feel like a lot of these topics um yes we've heard it but it's nice to like rehear it again um but just wrapping up you guys thank you guys so much for listening as always we want you to subscribe like share all of that i think that's the best gift that you could give us is share and like this and if you want if you want to on your instagram story just like post a picture of your family and then just tag fruit at fruit snacks podcast and um, we'll post it on our instagram story but again if you want to follow us on instagram it's at fruit snacks pod and if you want to reach us through email it's fruit snacks pod at gmail.com and always thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you next week on fruit snacks you want to say bye hey bye y'all <laughs>